when COVID first started, we all got pushed into this space. Some of us have been here for years, but many people got pushed in. I think a lot of people had this idea that it was like a prison. I choose to think of it as a playground. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. In this episode, you will hear a conversation with author, speaker, and entertainer, Rebecca Murray. If you're a scientist, do you ever think of yourself as an artist? Rebecca does, and she's here to offer you five creative techniques you can use to engage your audience when you give a presentation, whether you give it in person or in a little box on a screen. Welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. In this program, we have both content and conversations on communication techniques that are relevant to people giving technical presentations, in particular, how to connect with your audience so that your information actually goes somewhere. And in today's episode, we're going to have a conversation. It's my pleasure to have a conversation with Rebecca Murray, who is joining us from the Washington State area, and I will let her introduce herself to you uh, now. So we might as well jump right in. Welcome, Rebecca. Welcome, David. Great to be here. By way of introduction, I am a producer, director, entertainer, living in the Skagit Valley in Washington State, which is located halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, BC. I'm I'm here today in my upstairs uh, studio, which used to be a photography studio and now is fully converted to a video studio. Thank you, COVID-19. And then I have an editing suite downstairs. And um, this is all I do is is, um, either doing technical work for other companies or as today, uh, for example, for myself with you. Okay. Okay. And and you had also mentioned to me uh, your uh, a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, okay. Well, this is a, it's a children's book that is called The Bird and the Hippo. I wrote this book when I was 10 years old. I discovered that I wrote it a few years ago when I was looking through some old papers. It was, I, I actually, it was a Doing that was the result of uh, a friend of mine who lived in the Napa Valley. I don't, you probably recall those big fires. Yes. The first big fire in 2017, October of 2017. Mm -hmm. I had just gotten back from visiting her and her beautiful home there up on the, up on a hill. And um, she lost everything, everything. Now we've been friends since high school. So I knew that I had yearbooks and and papers and cards and and we were on the track team together so many times we were in the local paper in davis california and so i promised her i said i'm going to go through everything i have find anything connected to you and ship it to you once i finally got around to doing that thank you thank you well you know and i didn't even think twice about it but she had so we're, we're, we're one in the same person. I feel like she and I, if I ever want to look at those things, I'll go visit her and, and look at them. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. 
So in that, in rifling through those papers, I found a, a plain construction uh, paper folder with the word journal on the front. And when I opened it up, I found all these treasures that I wrote in the fifth grade. One of them was called The Bird and the Hippo. In reading, it's all dialogue between this bird and this hippo with this big message about how to move forward when you make a mistake, how to say I'm sorry when you get in a fight with someone. And really, the big message is to stay connected over time. Mm. which which they did their entire lives. And so uh, I presented this book many times or orally acting out the characters and the voices. And every single time I did, people would say, you need to publish that. You need to publish that. Well, publishing a book, I don't know. If, have you, you've published. Yeah, I, you've I have published. some, I have some books for speakers. Yes. 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 It's a lot of work, isn't it? It is. It truly is. My, my third book, as we record this episode, my third book uh, is in the hands of my editor right now. And, and it okay. is a lot, of work, yeah. a lot of back and forth. Yes. Lots of back and forth. Well, I needed to find an artist because this is not, <laughs> yeah. this is I not my artwork. An, I didn't need an artist for mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first, that was the first order of business is to find an artist. And I just so happened to find one who grew up in South Africa she lives not not too far from me in Edmonds and is just it's she's a fabulous oil painter. Well, I told her I wanted this in in watercolor, which she had never done before. She'd also never done a children's book before, but really? she felt she felt um, she said it was more like a spiritual thing. She felt called to do this. And so taking taking this book and creating these amazing photos and she's so creative. I let her have total creative control. She saw my sketches that, that I did when I was in the fifth grade, but you know, I'm a real believer for all, all we're all artists. Scientists are artists. Oh yes. We're, yes. we're all artists in, in one way or another. And I couldn't wait to, um, to see what she came up with. So a year ago, last, last Christmas, I, she and her husband came over, she had this giant cardboard thing where she had all the art perfectly mm -hmm. placed, and protected portfolio. Yeah. Yes. Opening it up one image after another. And I just remember being so overwhelmed. I just burst into tears. It was so, uh, I just felt so blessed, you know, so, so, so blessed. And then that was finally the start of, and now it's taken a year. The book is actually coming out. I mean, I, I'm waiting right now for the printer. Ingram is sending my first order of, of, um, 50 of these. Ah, okay. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. That's a milestone. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. As you know. And, you know, we, we had a, a conversation by email, and I don't have it in front of me, but um, I was kind of asking you a little bit about, you know, how, how we connect that with mm -hmm. the, the theme of this program, which is scientists giving uh, technical presentations. And, you know, you, you, you say uh, we're, we're all artists. You know, science to me is a very creative endeavor. It's that uh, striking out into the unknown, expanding the boundaries of, of what we can know about your, about your subject area, and that, uh, that joy of discovery. You had that joy of discovery when you saw what someone had done with your idea ideas to turn them into art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ab absolutely. The joy of discovery. You know, I, I remember my brother who is a physicist, f theoretical physicist, super, super smart. I, you know, compared to him growing up, I always felt inferior 
until I realized we both went to UC Davis together until I realized because I, I was, I actually changed majors to get away from physics. What gravity vectors. I mean, I, I, um, calculus, all those things are very con- confusing. I think unless you have the a brain wired for that, it just makes no, no sense, not interested. But my brother then in his senior year had to take first aid. Oh. And in first aid, you learn about diabetes, how to, how to, if somebody, what's the difference between diabetic coma, diabetic shock, you know, all these, all these, you know, body related things, which, which for me was second nature learning that. Okay. So when he called me and he said, I'm failing this class, can you help me? That was when I finally realized we're both smart in different ways. Mm-hmm. We're both creative. We're both smart. And my inferiority complex pretty much went away. Oh, good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> good it, 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 it is good. It is good. So to embrace those things, I think, you know, pulling some of those um, examples in, like for, I, I, I do some website work. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I, I produced a class or hosted a class. It was a 90-minute class in which I taught the average person how to kind of the nuts and bolts of websites. So, you know, always thinking of fun analogies, trying to trying trying to shake it up to make that very boring, dry subject pal- palatable and understandable to the average person. So this is a really good example and relates to all kinds of technical presentations. I said, you know, here here's the thing. I run into a lot of people who you all know what a domain is, right? That's like an address for your website, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have this address. You have to go register that address somewhere. And you need access to, to it's, it's like where your site lives. So if you don't have access to your domain, which a lot of people don't because they hooked up with, with somebody who's going to design their site and they go, you know what, I'll take care of that for you. I'll register your domain for you. And this is why people lose control of their domains because they don't own them. Someone else has access and the credit card expires or whatever mil- million mm-hmm. things where they mm-hmm. lose control. I said, it's kind of like this. It's like, I, I say, do you have, do you have an address? Do you know where you live? Yeah. Okay. Can you get there? Uh, I think so. Okay, so what if you could get to your house and you didn't have a key to get in? What would mm-hmm. you do? Mm-hmm. That's like having a domain for mm-hmm. your website mm-hmm. and not being able, first of all, not knowing whether it's at GoDaddy or 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 domain whatever, mm-hmm. domains.com, yeah. and not having access to it because you really don't own it. So yeah. it's, it's just finding these, these other ways of describing things. And I often... Pers- personify uh, uh, things. And it's very similar to, you know, the bird and the hippo giving them voices. So maybe maybe uh, you, sh- you shake it up a little bit by, by your domain becoming a, ca- a character. I'm all about infusing characters and fun into technical presentations just to keep them lighter, more engaging, and, and keep people laughing. Yeah, keep people laughing. I love that idea of personification. Tell you what, I'd like to hear more about that. Um, but I think what we'll do right now is we'll take a short break, okay? Okay. And when we come back, I want to hear more about 
how you simplify things and, and make them engaging using personification, as you were just doing. Uh, okay. This is The Power of Story in Science. I'm David Odie. My guest is Rebecca Murray, and we'll be back after this short break. You are a knowledgeable expert, and you want your expertise to make a difference to your audience, but you can't see them and gauge their reactions. Therefore, you need new tools for engaging that unseen audience. Hi, I'm David Odie, offering you a way to pick up those tools. In my new self-paced online course, you will discover three ways to improve your story, one fascinating tool for hooking your audience's attention, and eight details in your physical environment that will set you apart from other virtual presenters. Today's technical presentations are going virtual. And that means you can reach a wider audience as long as you understand how to serve that audience. So join me for the online course, Own the Virtual Stage. Confidently connect with an unseen audience. Just go to ownthevirtualstage.com for details. And we're back. I'm David Odie on The Power of Story and Science and having a conversation today with Rebecca Murray. And I, I love some of the, the conversation we've had offline about personification and, uh, and, and the, the limitless nature of what we're really now able to do in this virtual space. Um, and that's something that you particularly work with people on, is, is using their, their virtual space, I believe, for doing presentations. Yes, yes. And you know, when, when COVID first started, we all got pushed into this space. Some of us have been here for years, but many people got pushed in. I think a lot of people had this idea that it was like a prison. You know, you're, you're in a cell, you're in a box. <laughs> in a box. I, I choose to think of it as a, a playground. And, and that's what I encourage people to think of it as, because think of all the, if we were on a stage, and I had I wanted to change costumes, for example. I wanted to become a character. That would be very hard to do in three seconds. Mm -hmm. I'd have to run off stage, get get dressed. Something else would have to happen on stage so the audience wasn't confused, and then I'd run on um, back on. Yes. But what I what I'm able to do is set things up in advance, just two feet over. Run off. I can keep talking. I can. I can. I can keep the characters going, and then I can come back as somebody else. Or presto changeo. I turn around in this chair, and now I now I have things stashed over here, and now I become, you know, I become maybe the queen of England. Who knows? <laughs> or the queen of engagement. You could do anything mm. with, with with voice character. So I wanted to take you over here to my. Um, my wardrobe and prop room. This okay. is only part of it. But before I do that, I just wanted to go over these 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 five principles that I oh. enjoy talking about. Good. Uh, to get people outside of the prison and into the playground. Out of the prison and into the playground. I like that. Okay, five principles. And who doesn't want to be in the playground? I want to be in the playground. So the first one, and this is a, a largely, I think, what, what you talk about, too, is to master your virtual image, that be visual, sound, background, all mm -hmm. of those things, right. so that you're not creating any barriers between you and your virtual audience. Mm -hmm. Number two is to have a, a plan of engagement mindset, which means... I'm going to, I have a presentation that I want to give. And instead of what am I going to be 
saying, and, and you have a different way of saying this that I really like, what am I going to be telling the audience? What am I going to be sharing with the audience? It's how am I going to be engaging the audience? It's a completely different way it is. of thinking. Yes. And, yes. And then those three specific ways to engage are interactions. What type of interactions do I want? Am I going to use chat? Am I going to have hands raised? Am I going to ask somebody to unmute and use their voice? Where along the line can I infuse interactions? Also, how can I change audio visual variety? So Mm -hmm. pull in a character, show something on the screen. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of using myself as a prop versus you know, I will use sound effects and I'll use some video and, and, and photos only if it makes sense, mm-hmm. only if I can't do it and, and it really supports what I'm trying to teach. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, entertainment, which I think for some people, and that would be laughter, humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting when I taught the last class on virtual engagement and I asked people to think about in what way what talent they might have to entertain. And I realized my mistake because you know what, sadly, a lot of people don't think they have talent. Mm, mm -hmm. And there were several people that just were like, I don't think that I have a talent. So I needed to find a different way of asking that question because storytelling is a talent. Mm -hmm. Being a scientific genius is a talent. Is a talent. You don't have to necessarily uh, know how to play a harmonica to have talent. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. So here I'm going to take you over to camera two. Okay. Where I have, and I'm going to adjust my microphone here. Okay. So I don't sound too far away. But here are some of the things that that I use, and I come up with new things for just about every presentation that I do. I have sort of core presentations. So, for example, this is Mrs. Murray Murray, who I have a story time show, and and she's from England, and she always has a cup of tea and a a hot pot of water there. Um, This is a a wig. I have several wigs. This is one for a character who talks about shame. Doesn't it look shameful? I think so. (laughs) Okay. Um, Here's a... uh, a nun. This is my 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 habit. <laughs> All right. Where I sing from the sound of music. You know that the nuns mm-hmm. in the sound of music. So I I, I sing to lots. This is a um, this is Disco Dave's jacket. He's a mm-hmm. comedian, and then he also does a, uh, an interactive workshop and getting people to sing these crazy, outrageous, made up songs. Love that jacket. I think I may need one. Oh, okay. Yes. I have, I have a few here. So, so as you can see, I just have a lot of fun. I, I believe it's going back to this playground uh, analogy that when we have an opportunity to be in front of an audience and, and we know what we want to say, we're clear on our message. Then we take that and, and I use a red marker and I go through it and, and, and for every one of these three things, the interactions, mm-hmm. interactions, audio, visual, variety, and entertainment. And sometimes I hit all three just by doing one thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's it's sort of, in, it's like uh, in the comedy business, it's laughs per minute. Okay. In the virtual sense, I look at engagements per minute, EPM. Ah, engagements per minute. Engagements okay. Per and, and you count engagements as... Mm-hmm. 
either an interaction with the audience. So mm-hmm. they're nodding. Um, I have like a sign language thing that I, that I, that I teach to a song. So that whole song where I'm teaching sign language, 100% engagement, right? Mm-hmm. So interactions, how do I get them to put something into the chat? I respond to it. We're, we, we're having a conversation, um, the audio visual variety, which could be a slide deck. It could be a video, or it could be just yourself right. changing shape and form, mm-hmm. pulling something, pulling a sign. This is, this is audio visual variety. Just putting this book into the frame. Sure. Something, something as simple as that. And then engagement to spice things up and make people lean in. I say, listen, lean in and laugh. Listen, lean in and laugh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three L's. So tonight, for example, I'm, 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 this is my Robin Hood. This is my Robin Hood hat. Oh, okay. But tonight yeah. I'm taking the feather out and I'm going to be an elf. Okay. So, you know, Amazon is great for, you know, I want a crown for something. I want a, I want a uh, Robin Hood or Peter Pan or an elf, mm-hmm. you know, just to do uh, it. And I think, you know, it, it takes, it takes some courage. It, it takes does. being a little daring, a little vulnerable. And a little vulnerable, but commit to it. If you commit to it, mm-hmm. that's the thing. If you're not sure, you're like one foot in, one foot out. Oh, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to sound stupid. Um, then the audience, mm, yeah, they're not going to be comfortable either. Yeah. They're not going to be comfortable. Commit exactly. to the bit. Yeah, commit to the bit. There you go. Mm-hmm. Commit to the bit. So that's how that's how I do it. And, and that's why I'm having so much fun. Fun. And uh, yeah, F U N. Sure. So, so for, yeah. Because and when, when you're having fun, tr- the audience has fun too. Mm-hmm. And then that makes it more memorable for them as well. Because as another guest has said, you're not just giving them a speech, you're giving them an experience. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's what I try to do with my clients too. I, try, I push them a little to get out of their comfort zone, because, you know, we can always tell if somebody's reading a teleprompter. I don't, can you tell? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it's one of those that's going right across the lens, Mm -hmm. you can always, always tell. And for me, at least complete disconnect. Yeah. It's really hard to avoid that telltale giveaway eye scanning when you're looking at the teleprompter. I've done some of that and it's not easy. I agree. I agree. So let's get rid of the teleprompters. Let's just be ourselves. Let's let's have a mindset of there's there's nothing I'm going to do wrong here. Mm. With mm-hmm. with with a heart of connecting. With right? the heart of connecting. That's right. Of serving your audience. And serving I think maybe the audience. phrase I had used that that you were calling back to was uh, when I said you know you're not there to serve information, but yes. you're there to serve your audience. Yes. Because right. so many people giving technical presentations get so caught up in the information. And I know I've done that. I've, I've told the story uh, on this program before and in my books about being involved in a, in a training project that was the thing that ended up catapulting me ultimately out of broadcast engineering and into a second career as a trainer, speaker, and speaking coach. And in that project, a, a group of engineers got together and thought, well, the way we solve this problem of getting people to adapt uh, or adopt this new digital technology is to give them lots of information about how the technology works. And, and that didn't work. <laughs> and then I, I 
spent some time with people who were using the legacy technology that was about to be replaced. And I said, well, what do you want to know? And, and they said, I don't want to know any more about how it works. I just want to know how to avoid getting yelled at when I come into work one day and, and I don't know how to use this new equipment. <laughs> so I thought, yes. wow, okay, that's solving a completely different problem. It's not totally. about lack of information. It's about overcoming their fear and replacing it with confidence. Yes. And, and, yes. and as soon as I... I as soon as we went back and decided we weren't going to be so information centric as focusing on how does this affect the way you do your job, we had yeah. a training program that was ultimately very successful. But we had to move away from that engineer's mindset of, I'm going to put this fire out by throwing information on it. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and perfect information, absolutely accurate, 100% bulletproof information. And I, and I think that's the, the trap that that many, many speakers and presenters get locked into, and especially ones who are very um, uh, dependent on their slide deck. Oh, yes, you know? that's right. Can't present without their slide deck. It, it reminds me of Linus and his blanket. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't go on without my blankie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, and my personification of that, and I haven't fully developed this character yet, but is this character, his name is PowerPoint. Phil. PowerPoint and PowerPoint Phil. Phil with a pocket protector, probably a bald head. It's going to look horrible, but um, PowerPoint Phil just thinks PowerPoint's the best thing that's since sliced bread. And and we know there's there are great ways to use PowerPoint, and there are many many um, disengaging ways <laughs> to that's use right. PowerPoint. And I think in the scientific community, it's um, and thank goodness for folks like 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 you. Um, helping people not, you know, not read their not. I, I'm amazed at how I, I worked with an engineer last year, and he said that in his entire career, he he. I said, count them up. How many powerpoints? I'm trying to get him away from using PowerPoint. How many powerpoints do you think you've created? Because he can use powerpoints like to make French toast. You know, I mean, he has so many different ways to use PowerPoint <laughs> for everything. And he goes, I don't know, probably thirty thousand powerpoints wow. in my career. Yeah, thirty thousand powerpoints. Finally, getting him a away from that took about a year, but boy, the 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 change in engagement with his staff, and they were so grateful. Oh my goodness, I'm sure they were, because <laughs> yeah. they would it's, they'd experienced death by PowerPoint so many times. Yes. Oh my gosh, and, another and the meeting. Thing I, the thing I always tell people is <clears throat> those slides, that slide deck is not the presentation. We have yeah. this this miscommunication throughout the speaking industry when a, a meeting planner will say, well, will you upload your presentation to the, this and such so people can, can download it? And I say, I'll be happy to upload my visual aid with the disclaimer that this is not my presentation. And the thing I tell people is, your, your PowerPoint is your visual aid. It is not the presentation you are. You know, right. I, I came up right. with my own definition of, of, of the presentation and, and, and tell me if, if you uh, have, have something uh, that's different than this. I tell people your presentation is everything your audience perceives you to do, to say or to show them yeah. from the time you have their attention until the time you relinquish it. Absolutely. And I think the other danger in, in the PowerPoint, you know, somebody who depends on PowerPoint like that is that they can't be spontaneous. That's right. And it's that lack of spontaneity 
that the audience, I think, is really tapping into because mm-hmm. this it can't. Are you really truly present. present? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Let I your presence. <laughs> let let your presence be your presence. Mm-hmm. Let your presence be your present by being present. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Be present. Don't be so caught up in what is the the next bullet point that I'm going to reveal here. Yeah. Or, or if you memorize, this is why I don't memorize things anymore, except for the, you know, basically the, the outline, the engagement mm-hmm. piece. I memorize like what engagement did I decide I was going to do at this point? That's mm-hmm. what I memorize. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest takes care of itself. But in those days, the old days where I was memorizing every word to a speech, I would stop myself. I'm like, oh, that's not the right sentence. Wait a minute. That's not the right word. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm completely lost. I'm You're not present. Completely lost. You're not present with your audience at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what is, uh, you gave us five principles a few minutes ago. Is, is there one overarching takeaway that you'd like people to have when it comes to applying what we've been talking about to a, a scientific engineering or other form of technical presentation? What, what's the, the one key thing that you would say if I only gave you, uh, Three sentences. Mm-hmm. I would say simply to have an engagement mindset. An engagement mindset. What can I do to interact with my audience? Interact. And that's the same thing that you say, really, in terms of serve serve your audience, not your information. It's, it's, it's the same concept just spoken in, in mm-hmm. different words. Okay. All right. I've enjoyed this conversation and just looking at the, the timing here, it looks like we're going to have to draw it to a close. Before we do that, um, what would you like to leave our audience with in terms of uh, a way to follow up with you or to engage with your products or services? Yes. Well, I think I would probably invite them to visit Rebecca P, P as in Pierce, Murray.com. You can find my Bird and Hippo book for sale there. And also my keynotes, more of my, my training opportunities. My production company, d- different company, is mostly for, for local companies here since I, I can't, you know, pick up a camera and go um, jumping on a plane across country. Yeah, you have your studio. You know, you know right. what I'm saying? So my virtual my virtual offerings really lie on rebeccapmurray.com. rebeccapmurray.com. Well, Rebecca, I am sure that my audience has enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Thank you for taking the time to help us hear about those principles and personification and connecting, the, the continuing to engage with your audience, because I think that is all so very important. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you, David. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Good. If anyone would like to know how to get in touch with me uh, with feedback on this program or suggestions for future guests, the most direct way to do that would be to go to storyandscience.com. That's simply storyandscience.com. That will take you to the homepage for this podcast slash vidcast. And you can explore my website from there as well and find, if you like, any of the buttons that say schedule consultation, go to your calendar and grab 15 minutes that works for you, and I'll be happy to have a conversation with you. Thank you for being part of the community of the power of story and science. I'm David Odie. 
This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening.